1: It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Here they come on third and five. Wilson, boy, somehow escapes. He's going to run for it. Plenty of green grass. Wilson stays in bounds. He's still going. And he's in touchdown. Zach Wilson pulling a magic trick. Down the middle, he's got it. Elijah Moore, the 20, the 10, the 5, touchdown. Two is buried. That was Sauce Gardner. Here he goes! Goodbye, and hello, end zone! Van Dyke swarmed, swallowed, and sacked. Guess who? You only got one guess, Jermaine Johnson. Here's Brees Hall, looking for history! Hall with his 24th straight game with a rushing touchdown into the NCAA record books. Listen.
2: From the playlikeajet.com digital studio This is Play Like a Jet, my name is Scott Mason You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1 And it is time for midweek news and notes So for that, we bring in our friend who is a co-founder over at U-Stadium Mr. Nick Spano Nick, what a difference a week makes, huh?
3: Yeah, and the best one minute and 44 seconds us Jet fans have had in in a long time So, uh, you know, about, what, 50, I'm not great at math, but 59 There were 58-plus minutes of, you know, frustration and um, looked like we were about to have a much different call this week. But, uh, hey, I mean, we deserve a little bit of a break, so that was great.
2: When you said the best minute and 44 seconds most Jets fans have had in a while, I was a little nervous where you were going with that at first because this is a family podcast, so I'm glad that you kept it clean and you were indeed, of course, talking about the Corey Davis touchdown, the onside kick recovery, the touchdown to Garrett Wilson, and the game-clinching interception by Ashton Davis. Big day for Joe (laughs) Flacco, who really rebounded well. We had talked last week about how Robert Sala needed to have a quick hook if Flacco struggled mightily the way he did in week one. Flacco did not struggle that way. He obviously got red hot at the end, but there was never a point in this game where he looked at him and said he's embarrassing himself out there the way that you might have said in week number one. And so Flacco gets the victory And he will continue to start That's the big news this week Not really that surprising Considering that Salah had said That Zach Wilson would start No earlier than week number four Against the Pittsburgh Steelers He remains committed to that Says at the earliest It will be against the Pittsburgh Steelers In week number four Here's the exact quote I don't want to talk for the doctors But we're confident Zach is looking really good So we'll see They're going to ramp him up a touch more in practice this week. He said Wilson will play only when he's healthy. And everybody talks about how they want Wilson to be 110%. I think this is good because Salah is learning to manage expectations. Instead of going out and saying something that he then has to walk back, he's saying, look, at best he'll play against the Steelers. It may be later than that. We can't be sure. Also, this gives him a little wiggle room because let's say Zach Wilson is 95%. If Joe Flacco was playing really poorly and they felt like they needed to bring Zach Wilson back as quick as they could, then perhaps he comes in and plays against the Steelers. But if Joe Flacco has another good game against the Bengals, maybe the Jets win. Perhaps you stick with Flacco an extra week or two and let Zach Wilson get to that metaphorical 110%.
3: Yeah, it just gives you some flexibility now that Flacco's you know seemingly to so he's got the one win under his belt which he desperately needed the jet fans desperately desperately needed and most of all robert solid des- desperately needed so um you know you don't have to rush him back if you were oh and two oh and three god forbid um you know it would have been well get this guy out here what's going on now it's like you can at least calm down the uh, the masses a little bit here and say hey Flacco's number three in passing yards in football. I think he's like tied in fourth for for touchdown passes. Um, the stats don't tell the whole picture, but he's at least uh, you know not embarrassing himself. He's at least kind of um, you know showing showing some life out there, and then he's able to help some of these young guys develop. You know, you've seen Brees Hall with a touchdown catch, obviously Garrett Wilson, what he did. Um, so he's at least doing what we kind of spoke about a few weeks before you know kickoff, and you know we said you know at least Flacco can. Um, allow you to at least see what you have in some of these young guys. He won't go out there and embarrass himself. He won't go out there and just stink up the joint. Obviously, week one didn't go great, but even in week one he was able to kind of get the ball around later in the second half, even though the game was out of reach. He at least let you see some of these receivers and their talent level. And then in week two, it was a different different story. Um, Even though they were down for most of the game, the offense was moving the ball. It was really a story of the defense letting you down. The offense played pretty solidly and um, you know, even though Flacco had that fumble deep in Browns territory, which sucked, but, um, you know, and then the special teams played really well. So um, at a point it looked like well, it was one of those days and we tweeted it out and I got into some trouble, you know, on Twitter last week, as <laughs> I usually do, which is why I deleted my personal one. And while probably be getting off of the at you stadium one soon too. Um, you know, tweeting like if it's not one of the, if it's not one you know, side of the ball, it's the other. You know, they can't seem to have a complete game under Robert Sala. And while that still is true, he at least, you know, they at least managed to pull the game out. And then obviously the tweet that I had uh, about Robert Sala and CVS receipts didn't go over well as I got fresh. <laughs> you know, what was that? It was freezing cold take. So, um, hey, I mean, I think there was probably 99% of Jet fans felt the same way. I was just the one who tweeted it. Um, but all in all, Flacco is doing what, what, a, what you want a backup to do, right? And he's... He gets you at least keeps you in the game somewhat, uh, pulls one out. If he can get the, the Jets to two and one or even if he has to start four games and he's two and two, we all would have signed up for that.
2: Virtually anybody would have thought the Jets were dead in the water Even after the Corey Davis touchdown Because the recovery of an onside kick is so improbable And then the Jets still had to go and get a touchdown And stop the Browns from getting a field goal as well So as we know now, the percentages said That before the Corey Davis touchdown The Browns were 99.8% favorites To win that game with a minute 55 seconds left I think this is incredibly prescient When Nick Chubb went into the end zone, and I have to say to my friends who are Browns fans, stop blaming Nick (laughs) Chubb. He did his job. Anything that happened after that is really on the special teams. It's on the defense. It's on the coaching staff. Nick Chubb is not the guy you should be blaming there. But Miles Austin, the receivers coach for the Jets turned to the players on the bench and screamed out they just gave us our only chance so miles Austin recognized it and I'll be honest even though technically it's true that they gave them their only chance not for one second did I think they had any chance and I'm sure that nobody else did either I don't imagine that Nick Chubb was thinking that or anybody on the Browns because think of how unlikely it was to get to the point that it got to with the Davis busted coverage, breaking open downfield for a 66-yard touchdown, the onside kick being recovered, the touchdown to Garrett Wilson – The Ashton Davis interception, all of that had to happen in order for this to backfire on the Browns. So I don't think it's really fair to go off on Nick Chubb. But to me, it's really cool that Miles Austin sort of galvanized the bench, I guess, by understanding that the Jets technically still had this sliver. And the reason is because Chubb went into the end zone. If he hadn't, if he had gone down, if they had kneeled out the clock, that would have been the end for the Jets, who had no timeouts at that point.
3: Yeah, and it's uh, you know, those are you know, only you only hear about those things when they happen, which is extremely rare. Um, I'm sure there's been so many times when the coach just said that, and this just doesn't come to fruition. Like you said, the the rarity of an onside kick. I can't remember the last onside kick the Jets recovered that was, you know, an expected onside kick. I do remember a couple of years ago. I don't know what which one it was when the Jets started the game out with an onside kick. Mm-hmm. Um. But again, that was like a sneak one. So those, you know, I don't, I don't know the the percentages and uh, you know, recovering one that's a, a surprise onside kick. But when you know one is coming, man, it's it's hard to recover one right now. So even after the Corey Davis touchdown, I was just like, all right, you know, cool, whatever. At least it's not a, you know, a double digit loss, which you know we're too familiar with. Um, but when they got the onside kick, I was like, holy shit, they're gonna win. You know, I, I was like, they're gonna score on this drive. I don't know if you felt the same. Um, I was like, this just doesn't happen. Like something's going on here. Um, and then, you know, of all people, Ashton Davis to make a great play to, to win the game. I'm sure Salah felt good about that one too. It was, I guess, is that one of the receipts he was talking about? Like (laughs) everybody gave him a hard time for keeping Ashton Davis on the team, even though will Parks, the safety that most people wanted, uh, to keep over Ashton Davis made the play on special teams to recover the, the onside kick. And then I think it was Hardy who actually fell on it. Um, just a a wild finish and i I don't think we appreciate it or maybe we're just like you don't know how to act but maybe in like a couple weeks or even in the off season when you go back and you look at this it's going to be like how the hell did they win this game (laughs) you know so it was just a a really a a wild awesome game that man like fans deserve this like for all the losing we've done and all the, the dark times and what we've been through for us to to get a moment like that was really
2: cool. C.J. Ozama going to be a game-time decision, Nick. He was hurt and missed last week's game. Tyler Conklin has been a major disappointment, fumbling the ball twice in two weeks, a couple of drops as well. He did have that garbage-time touchdown in Week 1, but other than that, this is not the player that the Jets thought they were getting. Jeremy Ruckert had one target and dropped it, so it is sort of a surprise that the tight end group, that everybody was so excited about being revamped this offseason To a unit that finally might be something that the Jets don't have to be embarrassed about. Has not delivered, even in the least. And Azama looks like he may be on track to miss another game, his second one in three weeks. First week, he wasn't really much of a factor. Lost in all the excitement is obviously some negativity. And this would be the top of the list of the negative headlines.
3: Yeah, you hope he gets back out there. Because, you know, I don't think anybody expects him to be Travis Kelsey, but... Um, he could help. He could help in in the blocking game. He could help, you know, in the red zone. Um, I mean, we, we all had such high hopes saying, oh, you know, not only do we have one tight end now, we have two and maybe three. Um, Like you said, Conklin with the fumbling issues, Um, even just in some other plays. I I remember seeing him just kind of in the way of a screen once. It was just like, can this guy just go away right now? Like he's terrible. Um, I think he's going to get better. I I think Conklin is kind of just lost right now. Um, so hopefully, you know, if he's involved more, he can, I think there was one nice play where it was on like a delayed screen. It felt like, uh, and he made a pretty, a pretty big play in the open field. Um, so I think, you know, I think there's something there with him. I don't think I'm, I'm not ready to just throw him out and just say this guy's terrible, uh, but you know, early season jitters, whatever maybe may be, maybe not as involved as you know, he thought he might be. Um, but you know, I think if they can get him going, I still think he could play. Uh, Same with Ruckert. Hopefully they can get him involved more. I know Kenny Yeboah was active and Cager was inactive, uh, mostly for special teams. I saw Yaboa out there on special teams. So, you know, you would have loved to see Nuzama this week, maybe with a little bit of edge, obviously him and Carl Lawson having that uh, first time facing their old team. So you wish, you know, both of them could make impacts. And that's obviously you're going to need Lawson on the edge. It's going to be big for, for the Jets to win this game. You know, they have to get pressure on Burrow. Uh, but also, Zama, you know, giving Flacco another red zone target couldn't couldn't hurt. So hopefully he gets back out there. Um, you know, you want to use these tight ends. Uh, and, you know, with Conklin and, and the drop slash fumbling issues, you want to guy who you can rely on. And, and especially for when Zach gets back, um, having those tight ends are, are a big help.
2: Conklin missing a big block in the game against the Browns, having a fumble, having some drops. So no big surprise that he was in the bottom five ranked PFF grades for the Jets this past week PFF grades of course You can take them or leave them I think they're a good guide But they shouldn't be taken literally if you think that Tyler Conklin may have a bounce-back game this week, and I think it's certainly possible, you may want to make him one of your daily fantasy entries based on his player projection over at prizepicks.com. I love playing with prize picks, It's a lot of fun, and here's how it works. You pick two to five players, and if they score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to ten times your money on any entry. No competing against other people, just you versus the projections available. Prize Picks offers projections on any sport you watch. So, football could be the NFL, college football, basketball, the NBA, or college basketball, UFC, golf—whatever it is you like, they've got it at PrizePix.com Entries can be made in sixty seconds or less. It's that easy. Download the Prize Picks app or go to PrizePicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a one hundred percent instant deposit match up to one hundred bucks with the promo code PLAJ. If you deposit one hundred bucks. Prize picks will give you hundred bucks. If you deposit fifty bucks, prize picks will give you fifty bucks. Don't forget, enter promo code P-L-A-J at sign up for an instant deposit match. Up to 100 bucks at prizepicks.com. So, Nick, I just mentioned Tyler Conklin being in the bottom five. I wanted to run through some of these PFF grades and also the pass block win rate grades for the Jets' offensive line because the Jets' offensive line has gotten a lot of chatter for being better than what most people would have expected in game number two against the Browns team that has Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney. So the top-rated offensive players... PFF wise for the Jets in this game Joe Flacco 79.6 Garrett Wilson 78.9 Jeff Smith 70.8 Although he really didn't have a ton of snaps Braden Mann 70.7 This was probably Braden Mann's best game in the NFL Corey Davis and Brees Hall Tied for 5th with a 70.1 grade Down at the bottom Jeremy Ruckert 36.3 George Fant 46.7 Braxton Berrios 47.9 Tyler Conklin 49.0 And Lakin Tomlinson, 56.8. So before we get to the defense, I want to talk about the offense. And I mentioned pass block win rate. Let's throw that in there, too. This is an ESPN metric, not PFF. Out of 64 offensive tackles, Fant was rated 49th. Mitchell, 53rd. Out of 62 offensive guards, Elijah Vera Tucker was tied for first. Which is remarkable, especially considering that he's only at the very beginning of his second season. Lakin Tomlinson was 38th. That's obviously a big disappointment. Connor McGovern out of 31 eligible centers was number 24. So not that pass block win rate or PFF grades are necessarily the end-all be-all. As I said, they certainly are not. But what this tells you on a cursory look, and I still have to watch you all 22. And of course, we will do a show on that. With the Thunder from down under Luke Grant later this week. What it looks to me like is that Mitchell, while not necessarily good, has definitely been better than we would have expected. Not an embarrassment. Fant is hanging in there, but he's really regressing back closer to what we would have expected him to be. I think he was playing a little bit over his head last year, and this is more in line with what you should really expect from him. Maybe around league average, slightly above or slightly below league average play. Elijah Vera Tucker just continues to elevate his game. He is going to be absolutely phenomenal. Lakin Tomlinson, still a disappointment this past week, although definitely an improvement over the disaster in week number one. And Connor McGovern, below average, I think over the course of the season, he's probably going to elevate to closer to average, maybe slightly above. But so far, this Jets offensive line hasn't completely imploded. They haven't exactly been at the top of the league, but they haven't been at the very bottom either. And considering that they have Mekhi Becton out, Dwayne Brown out, and both Connor McGovern and George Fant coming back from serious injuries at the end of last season, that's not the worst place for this offensive line to be after only two weeks.
3: Yeah, and I'm not surprised. I mean, we've always talked about, like, I don't know, I don't want to speak for you, but I think you agree with me. Like I think ABT is special. I think he's the one guy on the offensive line who, um, you know, when you take t- look at them individually, he's more of, he's a standout guy. You know, I think he's a guy who could be a top five guard in football. The other four guys are just you know, like you said, average, maybe some slightly above, maybe some slightly below. Um, so individually, there's nothing to get too excited at, uh, with without, besides ABT. But as a group, I think they play, and I think they will be. Um, a lot better than what you saw week one you already saw week two the improvement i thought they played pretty well last week so individually not not like nothing to write home about but also um as as a whole i think they play a lot better than each individual if that makes sense so um you know mcgovern to me is is the 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 weakest link i think he needs to be uh drastically improved in the offseason i would hope they find a guy that they can you know, stick there, and he plays for a decade for the Jets because, I don't know, for whatever reason, when the Jets are playing well, they usually have a really good center. Um And then, obviously, the tackle situation is still up in the air. You'd think that Tomlinson can get back to where he was with the 49ers, but, um, you know, early in the year, you know, a quarterback that doesn't doesn't really help you out in terms of pass protection, you know, he's – it's you know what you get with Flacco. He's going to be in the same spot where you expect him to be. He's not going to be moving, so – Um, it helps to have a guy who, who can move a little bit, but also, you know, with Flacco, he, he can get the ball out he can sense where the pressure is coming from and that helps out there. But, um, I'm not, I know a lot of people were, I'm just not worried about the offensive line. I think they'll be fine. Um, definitely not a bad unit at all. You know, I'm not going to say they're a top 10 unit, you know, probably like, like they all are individually average. Um, so you can win with them. You know, they're not the Bengals, but they're certainly not what we saw last week in the Browns. So uh, I think they're fine. I think they're they're due for an upgrade at left tackle and, and center going forward.
2: Quick look at the defensive rankings. Brandon Echols was number one for the Jets at 93.7, although he only had a limited number of snaps. He did very well in those limited number of snaps. Good game for John Franklin Myers at 76.6. Sheldon Rankin, 73.0. Michael Carter the second seventy 72.6. He's a very underrated player on this Jets defense. Very solid and steady, and he was a fifth-round pick, so great value there as the slot corner. Carl Lawson, who had a couple of late pressures, 68.1. Down at the bottom, Quincy Williams, 29.2. Jordan Whitehead, 35.5. To be fair to him, he was banged up throughout the week, so who knows how that played into it. LaMarcus Joyner, who has really struggled the first two weeks, 38.6. Tony Adams, 43.4. Jacob Martin, who did have a good pressure late in the game and had half a sack last week, 43.6. And then, Nick, if you want to carry it forward with Jordan Whitehead, if you take a look at the first two games, the next-gen stats, it really paints an ugly picture of Jordan Whitehead. Five targets, five catches, 50 yards, three touchdowns, 158.3 passer rating, which is the best you can do. Ouch. LaMarcus Joyner, who has done very poorly so far, Four targets, three catches, 48 yards, 114.6 passer rating. Sauce Gardner, nine targets, six catches, 62 yards, 86.3 passer rating. That's where I think if you look at the film, that doesn't necessarily jive. He wasn't great in week two, but I think he was better than that. DJ Reed, who I thought was the best player on the field in week two, nine targets, three catches, 24 yards, an interception, 2.8 2.8 passer rating against That is fantastic So, so far that secondary hasn't been Perfect, but definitely a big improvement Over last year, and DJ Reed has looked excellent for the Jets Both tackling and in coverage That could turn out to be a Really great find for Joe Douglas
3: Yeah, and and you know, the, the two Corners looked apart, for sure Um, I think the Jets are Extremely vulnerable with their two safeties And attacking them, especially down the field As we saw already, um the first two games, it's hard to really get a, you know, to to judge it. I mean, I know Mari Cooper kind of had his way, you know, with with anybody who was on him, and and they made um, they made Brissett look like Joe Montana out there for a while. He was really kind of just going anywhere he wanted. Uh, but you know, the Jets really with with the two matchups, one you're you're worried about Lamar Jackson, so there was a lot of edge contained. Um, don't let him slip out and break it. You, you break you on the ground. And then he was able to find two or three times down the field, uh, for, for deep touchdowns or big plays. And then against the, the Browns, you were just worried about the, the two headed monster at running back. So you were really just trying to not get gashed by them. So, um, I think Sunday this week is the first time you're going to be able to see the, the defensive line kind of pin their ears back and get after the quarterback a bit. Um, whereas in the p- first two games, they were so worried about getting beat on the ground with, one with Lamar quarterback and two with the uh, two backs in Cleveland. So I think you're just looking more on the game to game matchup base with, with the secondary, with, with the defense as a whole. So, you know, the pass rush really hasn't gotten there yet, you know, so it's not helping the secondary out there. And that's why you're not really seeing any big plays be made outside of obviously everybody's favorite in Nash and Davis. And who knows, maybe he'll start to get more play now that he made that play in coverage to end the game and, um, with, with Joyner really struggling out there in coverage. You know, maybe you'll see him more, maybe Will Parks a, as well. Um, but, you know, I think that's the, the, gl- the glaring issue is the safety play. I'm not worried about the corners. I think they have really good depth. Obviously, Michael Carter looks like a real player. Um, Eccles, as you mentioned, I mean, credit to him. When Sauce came out, they went at him, and he made two plays. Mm-hmm. So credit to him for sure. Um, obviously, with them leaving uh, Bryce Hall, uh, inactive, which is interesting. Um, Eccles got, got really the reps that you probably would have seen Hall get, and and he responded. So I wouldn't be surprised if Eccles plays more than Hall going forward. Um, but it's, I'm interested to see what they'll do at safety for sure, because I think that's the probably on, on the entire team. Uh, The biggest issue right now With the glaring weakness
2: Nick Spano Co-founder of U-Stadium Thanks so much for coming on And breaking down The midweek news and notes with me Really appreciate it For those that don't have The U-Stadium app You should have it I don't know why You wouldn't have it by now But if you don't Make sure you download it And when you do Take part in the takes function Because Nick That's a way that you can convert Points that isn't actually money in your pocket Into real world dollars You risk nothing and you can win real money There is no way you can lose That's a total win-win Gotta take advantage of that
3: Yeah, right now we have um, a Garrett Wilson jersey giveaway too That fans can enter And um, On our Twitter you'll see it uh, pinned up there All you have to do is retweet that tweet And join the Garrett Wilson take And you're automatically entered to win uh, the jersey So we'll, we'll give that away Sunday after the game and, um, you know, like you said, the takes feature is awesome. If you want to try it, I know I've had a bunch of guys that listen to, uh, the pod, uh, Scott hit us up for points. So I appreciate mm-hmm. that. And appreciate everybody, uh, who has, who has interest in takes, which is really cool. So, um, definitely if it's your first time trying it out and you want some free points, shoot us a DM at U stadium. We'll get you them over there and you can uh, try it out.
2: Send Nick a DM over at U stadium on Twitter. And get yourself some points Also make sure you enter to win that Garrett Wilson jersey That is going to be an incredibly hot item If Garrett Wilson continues to play like this Which, based on the first two weeks No reason to think that he can't So enter yourself to win that jersey Also check out everything we're doing At playlikeajet.com And the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel The thunder from down under Luke Grant Has got some outstanding all 22 breakdowns up Including a deeper look at what Garrett Wilson Was able to do Sunday against the Cleveland Browns A true star performance luke breaks down the tape on that and so much more on our channel youtube.com slash play like a jet visit our store tpublic.com that's teepublic.com we've got the john franklin myers quinn and williams bless you thank you shirt the zach says go long shirt the zach the ripper shirt the play like a jet logo shirt caps mugs hoodies it's all there tpublic.com that's public.com. and be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on itunes if you haven't done that already easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing doesn't take you much time doesn't cost you any money but it goes a long way to help us out so if you go ahead and do that for us we'd be quite grateful and for the latest and greatest in new york jets podcast and content you know where to go that's play like a jet digital and playlikeajet.com.